Hey, thanks for checking out the weekly podcast from Chattanooga Valley Baptist Church. We hope you found this episode to be challenging and encouraging. Now, let's turn our attention to this week's sermon from Pastor Brian Carroll. Well, we are in our second week through Proverbs. Last week, we started to set out to, re- to really answer the question, why should the book of Proverbs be a regular part of our study as believers? And as Pastor Foster pointed out, you can actually um, spend a chapter a day in, in Proverbs, although you'll neglect chapter 31, and so your wife may want you to start backwards on that one because uh, she may want you to read chapter 31 a little more than you do. Um, but uh, we talked about the fact that Proverbs gives us wisdom for daily situations where many times the Bible is looking from a very high-level perspective that the book of Proverbs, though, takes us down to a day-to-day, daily situation type of, uh, type of level. It also helps us to see through all of the distractions that our culture wants to throw at us, and it really helps us to understand deeply the things of God. It also helps us to understand the danger of knowledge without wisdom. I want to show you a a brief video here on screen of the danger of knowledge without wisdom. So let's turn our attention there. You know, you can, you can turn. The, the, the coyote, Wiley Coyote, he had all of the ideas. He had a, 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 an amazing working knowledge of the Acme catalog. You, you never really saw him shopping like he was at Amazon, but the, but the guy had, had the catalog of all things Acme figured out. And he was never, uh, it's amazing to me that, that the whole premise of that cartoon was that over and over and over again. There was no, uh, no words. It was just the coyote chasing the roadrunner, and I didn't look it up, but how many, I remember as a kid watching it, like there would never seem to be a, 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 an end to the ideas, to the knowledge that the coyote possessed. However, he really did truly lack wisdom. In fact, as we try to spiritually analyze the uh, Wiley Coyote and Roadrunner, I think it's safe to say that Wiley Coyote was completely driven by self and was never once uh, thinking beyond his own stomach, if you had to analyze it. Well, this morning I want us to continue our conversation about wisdom, and t- today I want us to unpack the basis of wisdom. Today we'll be in Proverbs chapter 1. And we'll begin reading in verse 1. If you've got your Bible in your place, I'd invite you to stand with me as we read the words of Proverbs here. Proverbs chapter 1, beginning in verse 1. The Proverbs of Solomon, son of David, king of Israel. To know wisdom 
and instruction, to understand words of insight, to receive instruction in wise dealing, in righteousness, justice, and equity, to give prudence to the simple, knowledge and discretion to the youth. Let the wise hear and increase in learning, and the one who understands obtain guidance. To understand a proverb and a saying, the words of the wise and their riddles. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. God, I'm grateful for the words of King Solomon inspired by a holy God. We ask that you might help us today to understand the basis of wisdom in a culture that is desperately seeking it. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. The words of Proverbs begin with a simple introduction. The Proverbs of Solomon, son of David, king of Israel. Well, there is built into the introduction an assumption here that we understand what a proverb is. And we're used to proverbs, even if you can't define a proverb, we're very accustomed to utilizing them. In the English language, a proverb is a a short statement of practical truth that's easy to remember. I did a Google search for, for modern proverbs, and it led me to a Wikipedia page, and I did not want to take the time that it would take to count all of the various proverbs that were listed there in alphabetical order. So if you're someone who wants to go look at that, you can go look that up and you can see all of the plethora of English proverbs. We've got a lot of them, and most of them aren't in the Bible. Uh, Look before you leap, something that Wiley Coyote probably should have paid attention to. Uh, You've heard this one, a leopard can never change his spots. We know what that means. Good things come to those who wait. How many parents have said that to their children, uh, you know, as, as children are pestering them over something? However, uh, even though good things do come to those who wait, don't get used to it, because why? All good things must come to an end, right? So if you waited too long, understand that all good things will actually come to an end. If at first you don't succeed, try, try again. Don't just try once, try, try again. There's a lot of our Proverbs that we think are biblical. Uh, Cleanliness is next to godliness. You won't find that anywhere in the Bible. Um, But there's a lot of them that really aren't biblical at all. Now, we certainly recognize those are sound bites. They're easily remembered. They're easily uh, stated. And we also understand the book of Proverbs is filled with little sound bite-ish sounding bits of information. But we need to understand the difference between a biblical proverb and what we would consider a modern contemporary proverb is this. Biblical proverbs are anchored to the source of all wisdom. We're looking at the book of Proverbs. We're not looking at a Wikipedia page listing all of the Hebrew wisdom that was out there. We're looking at something that was written by King Solomon, the wisest man to ever live apart from the Lord Jesus Christ. It is anchored to the source of wisdom. Don't lose sight of who collected these proverbs. Solomon, son of David, king of Israel. He was wise. We know he was very wise. His wisdom came from God. Listen to how his wisdom is described in 1 Kings chapter 4, beginning in verse 29. God gave Solomon wisdom and understanding beyond measure and breadth of mind like the sand on the seashore. 
So that Solomon's wisdom surpassed the wisdom of all the people of the east, all the wisdom of Egypt, for he was wiser than all other men, wiser than Ethan the Ezrahite, and Heman, and Calcol, and Darda, the sons of Maal. His fame was in all the surrounding nations. He spoke 3,000 proverbs, and his songs were 1,005. He spoke of trees from the cedar that's in Lebanon to the hyssop that grows out of the wall. He spoke also of beasts and of birds and of reptiles and of fish. All the people of the nations came to hear the wisdom of Solomon and from all the kings of the earth who had heard of his wisdom. He was better than Wikipedia, as a matter of fact. The Bible makes it very clear, though, that Solomon only gained wisdom because God granted it to him. He didn't figure this stuff out on his own because he was a really smart guy. He didn't just go to a good school and read good books. Solomon's wisdom began with the Lord. And because Solomon recognized the source of wisdom, he understood that the world around him was designed by his creator, which really made it interesting. If you stop and think about it, when you look around at the world outside, you understand that God put it together. He put it together for a purpose, which, which makes it very compelling to stop and consider. We have had our minds enlightened by scientific discovery. Uh, we understand how a plant can take that which we exhale and can convert it into something beneficial, and then that which that plant exhales gives us something that we inhale. That's a pretty neat process that God has put into place. We understand how it works. Solomon didn't understand how it works. It doesn't matter. He understood what we understand, that God engineered it and gave it to us as a good gift of his good grace. We see all the way around us. I was looking this morning on the way in. The, the snow-capped mountains of Walker County, right up there at High Point, you can see where the temperature is exactly where it's supposed to be, and you've got snow here and nothing here. And Oh, that's all in God's good creative design and how God works. And so it's all interesting, and Solomon certainly recognized that. Because of this, Solomon understood, as we should as well, everything has greater meaning than that which we see just on the surface. Which is why the book of Proverbs ought to have a place in the lives of anyone who seeks true wisdom. Solomon wrote this book of Proverbs, or at least gathered them, and we know who he was and where he was from. But he also gives us the goals for the book of Proverbs. Again, this isn't just a collection of random statements designed to, to, you know, to give us memorable things to put on Hobby Lobby signs for our wall. That's not what it's for. There's a purpose here. There's a design here. And right off the bat, in verse 2, we're given the thesis of the book of Proverbs. According to verse 2, there's two primary goals for the book of Proverbs. The first one is to know wisdom and instruction. That's what we call deep character, deep character. And then the second goal is to understand words of insight. That's what we call straight thinking. Let's unpack that idea of deep character for a few moments. You see, he gives us here to know wisdom and instruction, but then further down in verses 3 through 4, he expounds on that. That idea of character, we toss that word around a lot today. If you work in the school system, I'm sure you understand that there's components of character education that's built into the curriculum that's designed there. There's lots of different ways to teach character to kids in school. We recognize that. We've got what used to be called chaplains on sports teams. Those are no longer called chaplains because that sounds a little too Christian-y. And so now our sports teams, instead of having chaplains, what do they have? Character coaches character coaches. 
We understand that character has something to do with our moral discipline and our moral predisposition. Character is not limited to Christian things. Everyone's got character. Uh, Everyone has an imprint of what their moral disciplines are. Now, the current condition of our society indicates that we may have created a bit of a problem by divorcing character from faith. We, we may see that, that, that we've got a bit of an issue where we're trying to teach character without anchoring that character to something of historical fact and historical truth like the Scriptures. The book of Proverbs seeks to develop character not by teaching us principles of how we should act, but instead it teaches to give us character by knowing wisdom and instruction. Where's that word wisdom again? What's wisdom? Foster alluded to it during our kids' time, that it's the application of knowledge. Is, is wisdom just smarts? Is it, is it book sense? Is it a certain kind of, of cunning? Well, the ideas that the coyote came up with to catch the roadrunner, they were certainly creative. You might even say they were wily. But they clearly lacked any sense of wisdom. I've heard it said that wisdom is the advanced course in common sense. But I really like this definition. Wisdom is skill, expertise, and competence that understands how life really works, how to achieve successful, and I love the next phrase, even beautiful results. The skill, expertise, and competence to understand how life really works, how to achieve, achieve successful, even beautiful results. That's a captivating definition. And if you look at your life, don't you want to have successful results? Don't you want to have beautiful results? I mean, if you put your hands to a project at work, you, you don't want just a mess when it's over with. You want to have something that's, that's beautiful when it's all said and done. That's, that's compelling for us. Everybody wants to be successful. I've never met anybody in their right mind who said, you know, I want to be a total failure. I want to fail at family, I want to fail at life, I want to fail at my job, I want to fail at church, I want to fail at everything, I want to fail at everything my hand touches. I've never met that person. Everybody wants to be successful, they may go about it in foolish ways, but everyone wants to be successful, everybody wants to have the upper hand, nobody wants to fail, and if that's all it took was a want to, well there'd be wisdom everywhere, but sadly, we look around today and we seem to find that there's a stunning lack of wisdom. It's almost like the wily coyote gene has taken over, and there is a stunning lack of wisdom everywhere. It's because the second part of deep character isn't quite as desirable. The second part is, is what he says here, to know wisdom and to know instruction. To know instruction. What's he saying there? I mean, we've all sat in seminars and classes where we've been instructed, where we've had information conveyed to us, but that's not what this word means. This word is not about sitting in a seminar where we receive information or sitting in a classroom where we're taught the basics of some subject. Instruction here, when it's used in this context, is referring to discipline and training. Discipline and training. What this means, I'm going to offend somebody, You're not born wise. Teenagers, you're not born with wisdom. True wisdom comes from hard work 
and years served. That's where wisdom comes from because wisdom comes from knowing instruction, which is about discipline and training and time and effort. Practically speaking, someone who is older, who has walked with the Lord longer, should, should have more wisdom than someone who is young in their life and young in their faith. Because they've had more of that discipline, more of that training, more of that instruction. You'll notice that one of the sins that Proverbs tends to harp on is the sin of laziness. And I love the sin of laziness in the book of Proverbs because it uses a, one, of my, one of my favorite Bible words. Uh, it calls lazy people sluggards. Uh, you don't hear sluggard being thrown about very often today, but that's a great word. If you've got somebody lazy that you work with, call them a sluggard. And see what they do. They'll be like, say what? A sluggard. And Proverbs really goes after the sluggard. It really goes after the lazy man. It really goes after that person who's not willing to do hard work. One proverb talks about the fact that the sluggard is not willing to even lift his fork to his face. And the picture is of someone who's so lazy that the only way they can eat is to bury their head in the bowl. That's lazy. If, if, I'm not talking about picking up a bowl of soup and sipping. I'm talking about you're too lazy to use a fork. That's lazy. You're never going to find wisdom if you're that lazy. However, it still takes more than just the discipline and training of hard work. You can have a very disciplined life and spend your time in the library reading all kinds of books. You can read books on every subject. You can be a, a jack of all trades and a master of none. You could sit and read everything from biology to mathematics to, to, to astronomy to, to mechanical engineering. You could spend your days reading book after book after book about all sorts of different subjects and still not be wise. So where does this journey to deep character begin? Well, that's where verses 3 through 4 give us insight. Solomon here tells us that we, we have to be willing to receive instruction. We have to be willing to receive instruction. Well, it tells us that wisdom comes from having a, a teachable spirit. Wisdom comes from, from having a teachable spirit. If you've ever coached a team or led any kind of organization, you know how difficult it can be to work with someone who isn't teachable or coachable. You can have somebody who's got the best skill set in the world, but if they're not teachable, you do not want them on your team. They can be the best in their, in their particular craft, but if they are not teachable, you do not want to work with them. We've all worked with people who, who know everything, or at least claim to know everything. But for whatever reason, they still can't seem to do the job. You see, people who know everything are unwilling to receive instruction and often have a hard time finding wisdom. Consider Solomon's gift of wisdom in 1 Kings chapter 3. Solomon's been made king, he's a young man, and God comes to him and asks him, what do you want? It's a genie in the bottle kind of moment where, where it, if God came to you and said, I'll give you anything you want, what do you want? I mean, you know, can I wish for more wishes? You know, it's, it's that sort of, sort of, sort of moment. And, and, and look what happens here. God comes to Solomon and says, I'll give you whatever you want. And Solomon says this. 
You have shown, it's in, it's in 1 Kings chapter 3, beginning in verse 6. You have shown great and steadfast love to your servant David, my father, because he walked before you in faithfulness and righteousness and uprightness of heart toward you. And you have kept for him this great and steadfast love. And you've given him a son to sit on his throne this day. And now, O Lord my God, you have made your servant king in place of David my father, although I am but a little child. I do not know how to go out or to come in, and your servant is in the midst of your people whom you have chosen, a great people, too many to be numbered or counted for multitude. Give your servant, therefore, an understanding mind to govern your people that I may discern between good and evil for who is able to govern your great people. Uh, what, a, what a way to approach that, that question. I'll give you anything you want, Solomon. I, I'm just a child. I lack the ability to, to, he says, I can't even figure out how to come in or go out the door. I mean, that's, that's, where, that's how he says this here. He says, simply give me wisdom, insight, the ability to discern between good and evil. He approached God's incredible offer with a great sense of humility. He didn't come to God with a sense of entitlement. I deserve this. I'm the king of Israel. Give me wisdom. This is mine. I'm, this is my right. He didn't approach the situation with a, oh, Lord, I got this. I don't need your help. I'll call you when I need you. How many of us, if we were honest, have lived our lives a little too much like that? We get ourselves in a mess, and it's at that point that we reach out and say, God, can you fix what I've broke? I know I have. Solomon approaches wisdom with humility. Well, what happens when we receive this instruction? We have a teachable spirit. We receive this instruction, this discipline that's being talked about here. Or are there benefits attached to it? There sure are. It says in verse 4, give prudence to the simple, knowledge and discretion to the youth. Well, we're all simple in the beginning. That's, that's talking to each of us. But he says that we receive prudence and knowledge and discretion. All these words have to do with, with gaining the necessary sense to understand the world around us. For example, knowledge is something that we receive when we receive this instruction. Knowledge assumes some things. Knowledge assumes that there's truth to be known. You know, we can't function as a civilization if we disregard that which is knowable. What do I mean here? Well, if, if you look at current trends, watch the news for a, a, a day and you'll, you'll see this, that if you throw out that which is knowable, that is the exact opposite of wisdom. It's folly. If you throw out those things that, that, that you can count on, those things that, that can be known, those things that you can, you can depend on. That's the exact opposite of wisdom. A great example, and I've been asked multiple times over the course of the week if I was going to end a prayer today with a man and a woman. Uh, I like my job, and so I, I don't plan on doing that. Um, just consider that, that, that folly. Uh, to consider the word amen. Amen is a word that has definite meaning. There's no question about that. There's no gender attached to it. Yet we live in this strange world where we're going to take a word that, that has known meaning and attach some bizarre sort of 
postmodern woke sort of attachment to it that it has something to do with, with the masculine gender. And we're going to fix that by saying amen and, and a women. Uh, that's throwing out that which can be known for the sake of that which is really unknowable. And what's unknowable is what we contrive and conceive in our own minds, and that's absolute folly. We're getting to the point to where we can't even communicate with each other because our very words no longer mean the same thing to each other. You have to define your terms in order to have a conversation with someone. Everybody's walking around inventing their own reality, but we're ignoring what is actually looking us right square in the face. Almost like the coyote in that last clip where, where we're all watching that and we know that that rubber band's going to break loose at some point in time. We all knew it. That was the reality. Every single one of us saw that and we knew it was about to happen, yet no coyote is sticking his head in there and everybody's like, don't do that. What's going to happen? It's Looney Tunes. You're about to get decapitated. Don't do it. That's not how it operates. We gain prudence. Prudence is another word for shrewdness or discernment in day-to-day matters. So Proverbs exists to give us deep character, but the second purpose of Proverbs is to help us have straight thinking. Look at, uh, look at the second part of verse 2. He says, to understand words of insight. This is where verse 6 gives us some enlightenment over what this means. Words of insight. You see, growing in insight means that that which is currently not obvious can become obvious to you as you grow in insight. Now, we see this worked out in every single day of our lives. How many of us have had the experience where you study the Bible, you've read the Bible, you're working your way through the Bible, but at some point in time, something clicks. Something makes sense in the Bible that never made sense before. Something that was not obvious is now obvious. And you look at yourself and you say, how did I miss that? It was right there on the page, as clear as could be. How did I miss it? It's because you're growing in insight. You're, you're gaining in, in, that, in that discipline. Your, your thinking is becoming more and more straight. Again, we see this. A skilled filmmaker or an author can do this with a compelling story. You ever watched a movie or, or some sort of show or program or read a book? You get to the end of the movie, you get to the end of the book, and there is some small piece of information that you did not have throughout the course of the story, and you get to the end, and that little bit of information is revealed, and suddenly the entire plot of the movie or the entire plot of the book is suddenly revealed, and it's completely clear, and it makes total sense because you've gained insight that you didn't have before. A talented counselor can do this in your life by asking questions and helping you see something that you've been missing all along. And suddenly when you receive that bit of information, everything makes sense. That's insight. Proverbs is designed to give us insight into the world around us. Studying Proverbs ought to help us grow in that insight. I remember the very first time I took a mission trip to a country that didn't speak English. And I was down in central Mexico, and let's just say, mi espanol era muy malo. That means my Spanish is bad. I had to Google Translate that just to get that out there. I remember sitting in a room full of Mexicans, and I don't mean that in the derogatory sense that's often used today. I mean they were really Mexicans that were sitting in a room together. And I was observing, and I was listening, and I didn't have a clue what was going on. I didn't have a clue. Me and the folks that were with us were like, I don't know what's happening. 
they're talking, they're laughing, they're having a good time, and we're all on the same team. They were Christians, we were Christians, we were there doing mission work together, and so felt like, you know, we're all on the same team, but I don't have a clue what's happening. And as the week went on, we had more of those encounters, and what began to happen is I listened as I paid attention, as I, as I tried to, 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 to gather information, I began to understand some things. I began to pick up some words. I began to understand what was happening, even if I couldn't quite figure out the specifics of what they were saying. You know what would have happened if I had stayed there longer? I would have started to learn what they were speaking about. I would have began to, to gain insight into their language. I would have been able to eventually, with more and more insight, I would have been able to contribute to their conversation. That's how wisdom works. The longer we spend honing the skill, the more we understand, and eventually we're able to even contribute to the conversation. Ultimately, with wisdom, the more we listen the more we understand. You may even find there's parts of the Bible that leave you scratching your head. You shouldn't write them off as being too complex. You stick with it. You ask questions. You listen. You understand. And eventually you become ready to enter the conversation. Listen to me, church. We need straight thinking today. We need straight thinking today because there is folly lurking around every single corner. Social media is preying on the naive, or as Proverbs calls them, the simple. All the nonsense taking place in our streets, whether we're burning down cities or looting or breaking into the Capitol building, it demonstrates a profound lack of of wisdom. It's one thing for us to air our grievances in public protest, but it's another thing to destroy lives and property. It's a profound lack of wisdom. Now, as Christians, we cannot be lazy, and we cannot simply assume that the information that we're given from whatever source we get it from is true, just because it says it on the internet doesn't make it true, said Abraham Lincoln. The lazy approach is to let somebody else tell you what to think. The lazy approach, the, the approach of the sluggard is to say, I'll let this source or that source tell me how I should think. But that's not the approach of wisdom. The approach of wisdom requires that we listen, that we learn, and we ask questions so that our thinking is straight, even if everyone around us is not. As God's people, we've got to be bringing straight, straight thinking to a crooked culture. Because who else is going to do it? Who else is going to do it? This means that we can't be pulled aside by rumors and conspiracies. This means that we not be led astray by every wind of deception that's out there. We desperately need, as God's people today, what the book of Proverbs offers, deep character and straight thinking. There's no other source in our civilization today that can provide that. So how do we get there? Proverbs chapter 1, verse 7 tells us, 
It says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. For fools despise wisdom and instruction. You see, verse 7 is the key. It's the entire book of Proverbs distilled into ten simple words. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. You see, we need to understand that wisdom is both a doorway as well as a pathway. The fear of the Lord, we're told, is the beginning of knowledge, but it is also that which carries us through a lifetime of growing in insight and understanding. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but it is also that which will carry us to our grave and carry us into glory is that fear of the Lord. We are living in a day where there are a lot of smart people. Man, there are smart people who know all kinds of stuff. We have more information at our fingertips today than we've ever had before, and information is doubling on a regular, consistent, and predictable basis. It is incredible the amount of things that we know. I've, I've gotten to a point where 10 years ago I thought I was on the cutting edge. Now I just assume things I don't understand are magical. How does that work? I don't know. It's magic. I don't know. Uh, you flip a switch, and it, and it, and it, and it comes on. Uh, we got a... We got a robot for Christmas, one of these robots that cleans the floor. And, uh, and, and I, I sit there, and I, uh, my wife makes fun of me because, because this thing has been learning. Uh, I, I hope it doesn't grow legs and arms and take up, take up weapons against me, but it's been learning. And so I watch this thing, and it has, it has mapped our house. I'm sure somebody in a tech center somewhere has got it, and they're going to use it against me at some point in time, but right now it's pretty cool. It maps our house. Yesterday, it... Uh, it, 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 its battery ran out, and it went back and it charged, and I thought, well, what happens when it charges? It went back to the spot where its battery died and finished the job. I said, my kids won't even do that. <laughs> like, and it went exactly back to the spot and finished the job, and then I got a report of everything that it did, and I'm sitting here, and I'm thinking, I almost Googled, how does this thing work? And then I just decided, you know what? It's magic. I don't know. Somebody smarter than me, Tony Stark or Elon Musk or somebody engineered this thing to do that. I, I don't know how it works. Man, there's a lot of smart people that have done remarkable, incredible things. But there's a lot of people who also lack the fear of the Lord. And that has consequences. Many have suggested that French philosopher Rene Descartes is the father of modern thought you may not know Rene Descartes, but you know one of his most famous quotes. He said this. He said, I think, therefore, I am. You know, Descartes sought to rebuild reality beginning with himself. I think, therefore, I am. And, and in doing so, he turned his head on what the Bible actually says here. He began with himself, not with the Lord. And, and for the last 300 years, we have watched mankind try to live that way. In spite of the incredible technological marvels that we've achieved in that span of time, we have lost our ever-loving minds in so many other ways. We can launch a spaceship and control it from the ground with not a soul on board. But we can't figure out that that little baby moving inside its mama's womb 
is the very essence of humanity. See, biblical wisdom doesn't begin in our heads. It doesn't begin with what we know. It begins with God. And the Bible actually reverses what Descartes actually said. And if you feel like our world is having a really, really hard time with understanding reality, it's because we've made a fatal flaw from the start. Ultimately, understand this. Learning to fear the Lord can be very painful. Because fearing the Lord does some things to us. For one, it kills our egos. It kills our pride. It it, it forbids us from looking inside, and it demands that we look outside, and demands that we look upward. Wisdom draws our attention to the Lord and draws our attention away from ourselves. It does so at the start, and then it follows us through the entire journey. See, wise people approach their life with a humble fear and respect for the Lord. In C.S. Lewis' seminal fiction work, The Chronicles of Narnia, Aslan is a majestic lion who represents the person of Jesus in the fictional world known as Narnia. As four children from our world, the world of man, are, are ushered into Narnia, they begin to try to understand something of this new world in which they're in. They begin to try to understand the king who is in charge of Narnia, this majestic king, and they encounter one of the Narnians. It's a creature. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's a human. It's a, it's a personified beaver. And the, the youngest girl asks Mr. Beaver, she taught, trying to understand Aslan the lion, she asked the beaver, she said, is he, is he quite safe? I should feel rather nervous about meeting a lion. That you will, dearie, and make no mistake, said the beaver. If there's anyone who can appear before Aslan without their knees knocking They're either braver than most or else just silly or foolish. Then he isn't safe, said Lucy. Safe, said the beaver. Who said anything about safe? Of course he isn't safe, but he's good. He's the king, I tell you. If we want to know wisdom, we begin by knowing Jesus, who is the king. Because it doesn't matter how smart you are. It doesn't matter how many facts you know. It doesn't matter if you can recite the great poets of history or you can go back and tell about the journey of Alexander the Great. It doesn't matter how much you know. Doesn't matter what facts you can spew out. It doesn't matter if you win every trivial pursuit game that's ever played and you, you win at every trivia game at every place trivia is played. The fact of the matter is this you will always remain a fool apart from a right relationship with your Creator. Would you pray with me, please? God, I ask that you would help us to have 
deep character and straight thinking. God, I pray that you would help us as your people today to know wisdom and to know where it starts. God, that we would stop trying to get through the world on our own cunning and insight, but that we would understand that true success, true victory begins not with what we know, but who we know. For it is the fear of God that is the beginning of knowledge. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And so, Lord, if we seek wisdom in a depraved world, then we know where it starts. It begins with Jesus. So, Lord, I would pray today that if there's any under the sound of my voice who've not yet righted their relationship with their Creator, they know a lot. They may know the Bible, but they're not right with the Lord. That today they would understand the folly of that decision and would turn to Jesus. Lord, I pray that we would come to embrace the words of your sacred scriptures that oftentimes are hard and challenging. They leave us scratching our heads. But may we spend more time in the Word, less time in the conspiracies. That we'd spend more time in prayer, less time on social media. And that we, we, we would understand that we'd have prudence and knowledge and discretion. God, I thank you again for your words today. May they speak to us as we go throughout this week. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Thanks for listening. If you would like more information about Chattanooga Valley Baptist, check us out on the web at cvbchurch.org. If you would like to join in person, we worship every Sunday morning at 1045. We're just minutes from downtown Chattanooga. We hope to see you soon.